Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gibbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is December 11th, 2020, which means I'm on day 363 in a row of 365 Promised Episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. 14 days until Christmas, but Disney Plus has given us a present, according to them, already. Yes, right now, online, you can look at the brand new trailers for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and What If, a Marvel animated series, which at first, you know, I gotta admit, I was not excited for. I just I just didn't care. I'm like, who who cares about this? But actually now that I watched the preview, they may have somewhat sucked me into this. It does seem very interesting. It looks like there's a female version of Captain Captain America, but she's like Queen England instead. I don't really know how to describe this. But either way, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they you know, they have great, great charisma, and they bounce off each other well. They just work out their relationship between the two of them. You know, it's it's almost funny. It's somewhat comical, but it's also like the perfect combo of action stars. And I think that show will be awesome. As well as Loki. I mean, Loki as a character is just awesome. The guy is a manipulator a snake, a liar, a thief. Like, everything I love in a main character of a TV show. Can't wait. I think Loki will be fantastic. Will it ever come out? I don't know. They've got release dates for all this stuff, but we all know what happened to the previous release dates of all this stuff. It all got pushed back. However, supposedly, in January of 2021... We'll begin to watch WandaVision. There's a new WandaVision preview out there as well. And I got to admit, at first I wasn't excited about that because I was told it was like all black and white and a I Love Lucy scenario. But it actually goes through different genres and different timelines. And at one point, you can see Elizabeth Olsen in 70s clothing. At another time, it looks like the 60s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. I think she goes through every decade. So it's sort of a multiverse created by her to be with Vision. But it unfolds and things happen. And it looks pretty exciting as well. I gotta say, Disney knows how to hook you with this Marvel stuff. They sure do. You know, we've all been waiting for it. We all want to see it. And then putting out these little previews here and there, even though some of the shows say they'll be coming out in 2022. And just like, I mean, come on, that's two years away. Don't even give me a preview if it's two years out. Because now I really think I'm going to see it soon. And at the end of the preview, it's like coming May 2022. Like pfft. May 2022. How many of us are still going to be alive then? When the coronavirus mutates into this new thing called COVID-21 and, you know, shoots out murder hornets 
that come out of people's blood and hurricanes that are just ravishing all the coastline of the entire U.S., I'm sure. I mean, things could only get worse now. We all have a grim outlook, and I predict that all these shows and all their schedules will be wiped out and nothing will really happen. But at least we got to see a couple cool previews. Check them out. Well, sometimes I even surprise myself, but uh, this time I did not. When I predicted that the Starship prototype tested by SpaceX yesterday would explode, and it did. What do you know? You know? I mean, seriously. Not really surprised at all. Anyone could have predicted this. It happens every single time. And every single time they say, oh, don't worry, it was still a great success. We learned a lot. So you you learned that basically every time your your thing explodes, basically every rocket you test ends in a massive explosion. Only this one is like an incredibly huge explosion. You have got to see the video, if you haven't yet, of the Starship prototype attempting to land, but coming in too hot, and as it hits the ground, absolutely obliterates everything anywhere near it. It looks like a warhead going off. It's it's so much jet fuel just bursting into flames all at once. An explosion occurs that I don't think anyone anticipated the size of. And this thing, I mean, it did exactly what I expected. And I'm, I'm just, I'm in a state of bewilderment. How... Are we this far behind on rockets? And don't get me wrong, I have I've put in no effort to help the technology of rockets rise and and get better. I've done nothing. I've only sat back and been a critic and criticized them and talked hella crap. But you know what? There's a lot of people like me who expected us to be a way like way further than we are. I just don't get it. With as many physicists out there that are constantly working on these, as many rocket engineers as there are in this world, how can we not have a simple rocket that is able to land without exploding? I, I don't know how it's possible. SpaceX, you would, you would just assume the amount of money that filters through, they would have like 20 of these ready to go right now, tested, done, people on board, shipping out to Mars, here we go. We're so far away from that. What a major setback this was as well. Millions of dollars of rocket gone in an instant. They're not just going to rebuild that overnight and try it again. They're going to try it again in like another year, two years, maybe five. I mean, I'll be an old man before I see a successful launch and landing of this Starship prototype, and by then, I won't give a crap anymore. I attempted to go shopping yesterday, during this pandemic, on the border, at an outlet mall. Yes, I was trying to buy some things for my wife, and, I mean, I was able to go to some stores, no problem. But others, 
that I guess maybe they were having sales or they're just the more popular places to shop had lines out the door because of the maximum capacity allowed inside at one time that were just not worth it. I can't even fathom the amount of actual business being lost by these companies and these stores that don't let people in. And I understand there's restrictions. They're not allowed to do this. Governor Gruesome Newsom has told them how many people they can have inside at each time and all that. But if I was a retailer, I would just go for it anyways. I mean, I don't see anyone there enforcing the rules. I don't see anybody there inspecting the places. I mean, how would they be able to do that? How would they be able to send enough people out in this world during a pandemic where you're supposed to stay at home anyway to check on these places to see if they're going over their allowed capacity? I mean, there's not... I've never seen somebody... I've not even met a single COVID-19 rule regulator other than people just want to do it on their own time because they're idiots. But... I've never seen one. So if I'm a retailer, I'm saying screw it. Everybody's in. Come on in. Don't wait in line over there. You can come into my store. You know, I got refused at so many places. It's like, and then they're telling you, oh, uh, but if you'd like, you can go wait in that line across the sidewalk in a parking lot. Yes, the line. Well, they don't want to block the sidewalk from people entering. So the line actually starts in the parking lot and then creates a space before you even get near the front door. I'm not standing in a parking lot looking like a moron at a mall waiting to buy something at an Adidas store or something. I mean, this is crazy. I refused to go into any of those places. So I ended up at about four or five stores. I got pretty much what I needed and I happened to stumble upon a store that was going out of business. Because, of course, the pandemic destroyed their entire business. It's not their fault. The worker inside, she was cute. She was really sad about it. I felt bad for her. And even when I purchased my items, she assumed it was a card, so she was waiting for me to put the card in. But I had cash. And she was like, well, I don't even have change in my register. They won't give me anything right now. I have nothing. So hopefully you have exact change. Well, I did not. I had like $47 and it was $46.25 or something. So she was like, oh, I feel so terrible. I don't have the 75 cents. And I'm thinking, dude, the things I bought were so remarkably cheap because of the place going out of business. I'm like, you can keep the 75 cents. Put it in your own pocket. You know, give yourself a tip. You're losing a job over this. I know what that's like. This is all a big bunch of bullshit is what it is. And, you know, you can't really see each other because you got masks and a plexiglass thing. And you know, there wasn't a real connection there like I was trying to make just to let her know that some customers understand how much BS this is and how I don't agree with it. And I can't believe another business, another one bites the dust because of all this. This ruiner of everyone's lives known as the fake-ass COVID-19 pandemic. Tomorrow evening has a ridiculously stacked pay-per-view in the UFC. 
Now, a lot of times people see the main event, like the main fight, and they're like, well, Davison Figueredo against Brandon Moreno. I mean, I just don't care about that. Well, I don't either. But there's some other big-name fighters that you should care about that are also part of the pay-per-view. Even one that's a prelim, I couldn't believe it. You should totally get these fights tomorrow. In the lightweight main event, Tony Ferguson fights Charles Oliveira. And Ferguson has a lot to prove after he was set to fight Khabib and that fell through. And instead, he ended up fighting somebody nobody thought could beat him who whooped his ass and won the belt off of him. The interim belt, I should say. But there's also another fight as a part of the main event that should be awesome. Junior Dos Santos against... Cyril Gain. Cyril Gain. Circle? Cyril. I don't really know how to say this guy's name. But he's undefeated. And he is coming for blood. Dos Santos is at the end of his career. I remember a time when watching a Junior Dos Santos fight almost guaranteed a bloodbath. And this dude was a scary guy in the octagon. But that time has passed. Dos Santos is straight up a washed up old has-been. And this is his final chance to prove that he still has a home in the UFC. Yeah. Dana White and the UFC have has cut so many contracts lately, including Yoel Romero, who I did not think would get his contract cut. But there's also another fight to look out for, and this one is a preliminary fight. Cub Swanson versus Daniel Pineda. I mean, I remember a time when also Cub Swanson was a scary dude in the octagon. People were in fear of this guy and his abilities, and it almost just seems like he fell off the map hard. And all of a sudden, he's come back as the main card in the prelims of tomorrow's fights. Hopefully, if he wins, that'll push him up back into the running for a main event of a main card of at least a UFC Fight Night Live because I, I feel bad for this dude. I mean, he took a couple bad losses and we just never saw him again. But Cub Swanson is a very exciting fighter to watch. Check it out tomorrow night, folks. Prelims start at 4, main event starts at 7. UFC 256. Yeah, I'm guaranteeing this one's also at Fight Island in the middle of nowhere. Or probably not, I guess, because of the time in which the actual fights are occurring. Either way, pre-pre-fights 4, pre-fights 5, main event 7. Check it out tomorrow night, UFC pay-per-view. A Washington Heights, New York Chipotle had rats so infested in this place that multiple workers had been bit, avocados had been chewed through, and even the cash register wires had been eaten away. Finally, this place got shut down indefinitely. 
But according to reports, these workers had worked under these conditions for a while now. In fact, on a daily basis, one of them would scream and shout and have been got have have gotten had been bit. I I don't know how to speak. Maybe I have rabies or something. I got bit by a rat. Either way, Rat Tattooie and his pals were biting up the employees and apparently they had killed some of these rats in various ways, including dropping boxes of to-go stuff on top of rats, killing dozens of them. Dozens. So that's at least 24. So I'm thinking you've killed 24 or more rats by dropping boxes of product on top of them and then serving that product to customers. I mean, think about how much cross-contamination occurred in this place before they finally shut down, and it wasn't because of the rats eating the food or anything or biting the employees. It was simply because they finally chewed through the cash register wire, which meant they couldn't take payment anymore, but if they could, I'm sure they'd still be open. I mean, the standards of Chipotle are so dangerously low. I don't know why people like this place. And now, of course, the new Miley Cyrus Chipotle burritos out, which is supposed to push people to buy more Chipotle because they want to eat Miley Cyrus's favorite meal. I mean, who the hell is Miley Cyrus anymore? She's irrelevant now. She has not been relevant for years. Not to mention, she was a freak show of a human being that I already never had respect for. And now you think I'm going to buy a burrito because her name's attached to it? That's like the Travis Scott meal for McDonald's. I still don't even know who the hell Travis Scott is. This is a crazy world we're living in. Just beware if you're in New York and you think, hey, you know what? It's a good idea to get some Chipotle. Watch out because you might get bit by a rat. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast. We all know and love, and that is Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Angston, Barbecusion. That's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today, considering the fact that it's 14 days until Christmas and I have two episodes left after today of the Peter Gabbett podcast total, season one, I'm going to tell you the year that was my favorite Christmas. Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, at the top of my list is any Christmas that I've had my own children. They're always the best. But before I had kids, my favorite Christmas was the year 1997. I was 11 years old. It was one year before I got cancer. So everything in my life was still normal. I could eat whatever I wanted. I could go play sports. I could have a good time. I believe it snowed that year. And the best part about the whole scenario was that I was in my home in Aloha, Oregon at 5665 Southwest 203rd Avenue and my entire family was together under the same roof for I believe that may have been the last time. My brother Paul was 17 and uh, actually had just turned 18. My sister, or my brother James was 15, my sister Ruth 13, myself 11, my sister Ro Rose was 9, 
And then my littlest sister, Rachel, uh, she must have been five. Yeah, she was four years the younger of Rose. Uh, she was what you call a mistake kid. My parents didn't think they could have babies anymore. And oh, what happened four years later? But either way, we had our entire family. We had two cats. We probably had some other random pets that one of my siblings had or whatever. And we had a very large amazing house painted bluish gray on the outside all of our neighbors knew us we knew our whole neighborhood i mean every person on our street was either a friend or a foe mostly friends our immediate neighbor were the shepherds we would share pies with them and recipes and just all kinds of different food and fun stuff they would come over to our house we would go over to their house i mean we were very close to them. Our across-the-street neighbors were the Buholtzes, great family friends. Their daughter and son were besties to some of my family members. My brother James and Ruth was friends with their daughter, Stephanie and Timmy. I'm telling you, I mean, it was just a classic, perfect Christmas time in the, in the neighborhood in Aloha, in Cross Creek, and, you know, it would snow. We would all go out there and build snowmen together, have fun, snowball fights, all that cool stuff. The crisp, cold air when you would wake up and when you stepped outside and felt the crunch of the frozen grass and the frost everywhere, it was just bliss. I'm telling you, it was the best times. It was the absolute best time. You had this anticipation in your mind, what am I going to get for Christmas? You also thought, how am I going to be able to get some stuff for all my siblings? I've got so many of them, but I'm only 11. It's hard to get money. And even if I do that, how am I going to end up at a store when one of them's not with me to see that I'm buying them gifts or whatever? I, you know, at the time I had just the most solid group of friends ever. We would meet up on Christmas Eve, play in the snow, talk about what we expected to get. We would call each other the day of Christmas and tell each other what we got in presents and all this stuff. I had a close friend right next to our house by the name of Bobby Sinclair. He was a nerd, yes, and his parents eventually drove me away from hanging out with him because they were so strict it was ridiculous. But I was his friend for many years, and any time that I wanted to jump out of my house, he would be ready to hang out. And I'm telling you, folks, I mean, this is just like a story from a book. I, I think back on it now, and it's hard for me to even fathom, like, how storybook my childhood Christmases were, especially that year. And shortly after that, my brother shipped out to the Navy, and then a couple years later, my other brother moved out, and, you know, a couple years later, I started hanging out with friends more than family and pretty much just went and partied it up. And, of course, I, as I always told you, I got ill, so there was a year of that. So there was a lot of dark, not-as-great times that happened right after that year. But in 1997, in December, in Cross Creek, in Aloha, Oregon, I had the best time ever, and I'll never forget it. 
I appreciate you listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. I hope you have a memory like that, or I hope you can make memories like that for your own children. It's totally worth it. My family did a great job of that, and I will never be able to decorate my home as well as my mother used to decorate our home when I was a child. It was flossed out to the highest degree. People came around and were just so surprised. I hope that you have something like that. In your home right now, if not, hop to it, get with the program, get her done, and I will talk to you tomorrow. The song I'm going to play for you folks should remind you of the best time travel trilogy of all time. I mean, the only real time travel trilogy, Back to the Future. Because Huey Lewis and the News did most of the music for those movies. But oftentimes, I wish I could go back in time to that very Christmas in 1997, where my whole family was together. It was amazing. We loved it. We had the best time. And it just reminds me of that so much, this song. I think I've played it on the Peter Gabbett podcast before, but I love it so much. Here it is for your enjoyment again. Huey Lewis and the News, Back in Time. 